0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here for the program. I'm Matt Belanger in this week for Tom Hauser, Governor Tim Walls resting comfortably now after undergoing relatively minor knee surgery this week. And while he was under anesthesia, his power as governor was transferred to his lieutenant governor, Peggy Flanagan. Tom Hauser has a look now at this rare move. Uh, this is
1: a big deal. At nearly every public event held by Governor Tim Walls, you will find his lieutenant governor, Peggy Flanagan, nearby. I have never seen a governor have his lieutenant governor at his side as much as you have. Yeah. Why is that important to you?
2: Yeah, and it, this is different. Uh, lieutenant Governor Flanagan uh, is not only a dear friend, I trust her, her uh, judgment, I trust her instincts, and, and she's a top advisor.
1: In a recent interview, the governor and lieutenant governor talked about their unique relationship.
2: The lieutenant governor's life experiences are different than mine. It gives me a different perspective.
3: So far, so
1: good. Uh, we still have more work to do. Flanagan says taking an active and public role
3: is by design. We decided to do this differently from the very beginning. We uh, ran together very early on um, and uh, have continued to, to govern together. Um, I am clear who is the governor uh, and Minnesotans are too, but I feel really proud to be a part of this team.
1: And for at least one hour on each of two days while Governor Walls has knee surgeries, she'll lead the team when the governor formally transfers power to her while he's under general anesthetic. The previous governor did not do this Is this and was criticized for it. Is this partially a a reaction to that?
2: Well, I can't speak with the previous administration's choice, but I think the statute is pretty clear uh, that this is what it requires to be done. Political analyst Stephen Shear says it's a rare move
1: and shows the governor's faith in Peggy Flanagan.
2: They travel together a lot.
0: They appear a lot together in public events. And this is yet another example of how
2: seriously he takes the office of lieutenant governor.
0: Former Governor Mark Dayton did not transfer power when he was at Mayo Clinic for several weeks last fall. The only other time our team can find that this happened was in 1993 when Jonelle Deerstad took over for Arnie Carlson when he had knee surgery. Now, before his surgery, Governor Walls expressed some disappointment about a controversial tweet sent out by a high-ranking staffer in the DFL party.
2: This is a case that this came out of a DFL operation. It is totally unacceptable. Uh, I I believe and I have not seen. I hope there's a full apology and then there's an accounting for that.
0: William Davis, the DFL's deputy communications director, posted a tweet earlier this week calling the new USS Minneapolis-St. Paul naval ship a, quote, murder boat. He later deleted that tweet and said he apologized to a local naval veteran. DFL party chair Ken Martin also apologized. It is not clear if Davis is going to be punished for this. Republicans also criticized a DFL director in the 6th congressional district after he tweeted what some considered to be an anti-military response to a post by Congressman Tom Emmer. There's pressure right now on Minnesota's congressional delegation to join a push to open impeachment proceedings against President Donald Trump. It's an effort that has divided top Democrats in Washington, and Tom Houser again has where some of
1: our lawmakers stand right now. Our federal government takes care of lots of communities that face challenges. Democratic, Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips uh, convened a meeting in point Medicine point. Lake to right. discuss the role Congress can play battling aquatic species invading Minnesota lakes and rivers. But since he's been back in the state from Washington, he's hearing a lot from constituents about impeaching President Trump. My job is to listen to everybody, and I explain why I believe we're following an appropriate process right now uh, to investigate and then deliberate. But in the meantime, we need to legislate. Phillips held a town hall meeting over the weekend where impeachment was a major topic, and he maintained... THE SAME VIEW HE'S HELD FOR SEVERAL MONTHS. JUST AS ANY PROSECUTOR HAS A RESPONSIBILITY TO COMPLETE AN INVESTIGATION BEFORE HE OR SHE PRESSES CHARGES AGAINST ANYBODY, THAT'S EXACTLY WHAT WE'RE DOING. WHILE CONGRESSMAN PHILLIPS ISN'T QUITE YET READY TO CALL FOR THE PRESIDENT'S IMPEACHMENT, SENATOR AMY KLOBUCHAR SAYS AN ABC NEWS INTERVIEW PUSHED HER OVER THE EDGE AND SHE SAYS THE PROCESS SHOULD BEGIN. IN THAT INTERVIEW, THE PRESIDENT SAID HE WOULD ACCEPT NEGATIVE INFORMATION information ABOUT OPPONENTS FROM FOREIGN GOVERNMENTS.
2: I THINK I'D WANT TO HEAR IT. YOU WANT THAT KIND OF INTERFERENCE IN OUR ELECTIONS? IT'S NOT AN INTERFERENCE. THEY HAVE INFORMATION. I THINK I'D TAKE IT. SO YOU WOULD SUPPORT AN IMPEACHMENT PROCEEDING BEGINNING NOW? I WOULD. Support of impeachment proceeding beginning now, but I
0: also
4: understand that they may want to be doing investigations uh, leading up to it, and I think they should be given the time to do that. If you saw any evidence.
1: So far, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi hasn't called for impeachment hearings because she says she knows it will be very divisive.
0: Another freshman Democrat in Congress, Angie Craig, said she's also hesitant to start impeachment proceedings because she says she believes it would take the focus off of key issues facing the country right now, like health care. Meanwhile, it is official. President Donald Trump's going to seek a second term in the White House.
1: We're going to keep on fighting for every man and woman and child all across this land. With every ounce of heart and might and sweat and soul, we're going to keep making America great again.
0: In Minnesota, local Republicans say they want people to vote for Trump and win back control of the Minnesota House of Representatives. The Trump campaign and national party have both promised more money and more people on the ground, helping out in Minnesota than were in 2016.
4: They're bringing in field offices, they're bringing in staff, and they're committing to the state in dollars and manpower. So we want to win Minnesota for the president, and we hope by winning the state for Donald Trump, we will win for all our candidates in Minnesota this year.
0: Minnesota is considered to be a battleground state in the next presidential election. President Trump narrowly lost the state in 2016, but has said he believes he can win it in 2020. The Minnesota DFL, meanwhile, sent out a statement on this week's campaign kickoff, saying in part, quote, Minnesotans won't stand for another four years of the rich getting richer, while everyone else continues to fall behind. And that's what we'll get from Donald Trump, end quote. 20 OF THE 24 DEMOCRATS HOPING TO CHALLENGE PRESIDENT TRUMP NEXT YEAR WILL MEET FOR THEIR FIRST PRIMARY DEBATES LATER THIS WEEK IN MIAMI. MINNESOTA SENATOR AMY KLOBUCHAR IS ONE OF THEM, AND SHE'LL APPEAR IN THAT FIRST DEBATE WEDNESDAY NIGHT. FORMER VICE PRESIDENT JOE BIDEN AND VERMONT SENATOR BERNIE SANDERS WILL APPEAR IN THE SECOND DEBATE ON THURSDAY. And SO FAR THERE'S ONLY ONE OTHER REPUBLICAN CHALLENGING PRESIDENT TRUMP. BILL WELD IS THE FORMER GOVERNOR OF MASSACHUSETTS. The cost of tuition going up at the University of Minnesota and at schools in the Minnesota state system as well. This week, the Board of Regents approved a 2 percent tuition hike for resident undergrads at the Twin Cities campus. That means tuition and fees will cost $337 more next year, rising to just more than $15,000 a year. Many students we spoke with say they're not happy about the increase and they want to know how that money is being spent.
5: I want to know where money is going and I want to know if there's increased opportunities for scholarships.
0: Tuition is also set to go up 1.5% at other U of M campuses, and regions in the Minnesota state system also approved a 3% tuition increase for undergrads. Governor Tim Walz signed 10 bills into law this week. One of them helps Minnesotans living with rare diseases. The bipartisan legislation CREATES THE CHLOE BARNES RARE DISEASE ADVISORY COUNCIL AT THE UNIVERSITY OF MINNESOTA. CHLOE DIED OF A RARE DISEASE CALLED MLD. HER FAMILY AND OTHERS PUSHED HARD FOR THIS NEW LAW.
4: It's OFTEN WHEN SOMEBODY HEARS that, that, THAT SOMEONE HAS A RARE DISEASE, THEY THINK, OH, IT DOESN'T AFFECT THAT MANY PEOPLE. BUT WHEN YOU CLASSIFY RARE DISEASES TOGETHER, IT'S ONE IN TEN OF THE GENERAL POPULATION.
0: THE RARE DISEASE ADVISORY COUNCIL WILL PROVIDE ADVICE AND promote research and help with diagnosis and treatment, all related to rare diseases. And Governor Walls also signed laws protecting firefighters by banning toxic flame-retardant chemicals, and another bill gives financial relief to students hurt by the sudden closure of Argosy University. New federal bills introduced by Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and Senator Tina Smith have a goal of keeping students from being shamed when they can't pay for school lunches. Valerie Castile, the mother of Philando Castile, joined those two leaders for the announcement in Washington this past week. Philando was shot and killed by a St. Anthony police officer back in 2016. He was a worker in a cafeteria and would often pay out of pocket for children who just didn't have enough money to buy lunch at school and since she lost her son Valerie, has been raising money to help pay student lunch debts.
3: We don't know what families
0: go through every day, and we don't know if that meal, those two meals, are the only nutritious meal that they have through the day. The bill aims to prevent schools from doing things that single out students who can't afford to pay. Affordable housing took center stage in Minneapolis this past week. The head of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson, was in Minneapolis visiting the new Hawthorne Eco Village. He spoke about the importance of having multiple housing options for everyone. We
2: need to be focusing on how do we develop our people, and one of the key measures uh, for doing that is safe, affordable housing. The
0: new Hawthorne Eco Village offers 75 affordable housing units in North Minneapolis. Coming up after the break, Amber got young and Jennifer Loon will be here for political analysis. And some community ice rinks across Minnesota could be in trouble this upcoming year. The program that's been put on ice by state lawmakers and the solution some rink owners are hoping can be put in place. Welcome back to At Issue. Some community ice rinks across Minnesota could be in a little bit of hot water because of inaction at the state capitol. Freon, which is a chemical used to freeze the ice, will no longer be made starting next year for environmental reasons. But lawmakers never passed funding for a grant program that would help rinks cover the costs of switching to the new kind of cooling equipment. Eric Shalhoub has a look at some of the hard decisions cities and hockey clubs are facing right now.
6: In the state of hockey, you could always find a skater on the ice, no matter what the calendar reads.
1: Seeing the R-22 issue that we have, that's a big deal to all the rinks. 18
6: degrees, 18 degrees, 21 degrees, 19 degrees, we're looking good. But there's a date on the calendar, January 1st, that rink managers have circled. That's when the refrigerant, R-22, or Freon, won't be made due to government regulations. This is a lot of rinks across Minnesota that are in this tough spot. Of WHAT TO DO?
1: YEAH, I WOULD SAY THREE QUARTERS OF THE ICE RINKS ARE STILL USING R-22 ACROSS THE STATE. AND THEN IF YOU EVEN GO ACROSS THE COUNTRY,
6: THOSE NUMBERS ARE, are HUGE. OPERATIONS you know, MANAGER you know, PETE CARLSON AT THE NATIONAL the state SPORTS state. CENTER SAYS THAT COULD MEAN COSTLY REPAIRS FOR RINKS THAT HAVEN'T SWITCHED OFF FREON. FOR THOSE THAT HAVE STARTED REPLACEMENT, THE PRICE CAN START AT $300,000 AND GO UP INTO THE MILLIONS. <laughs> Since the mid-90s, the Mighty Ducks grant program has helped communities improve ICE access and eliminate free systems. But this session, lawmakers iced the $4 million request by the Minnesota Amateur Sports Commission. The, the-, the commission discussed on Wednesday plans to go back to the legislature next session. Commissioner Joel Carlson says the approaching free date hopefully will fuel action. Uh,
2: motivation to uh, put a little more money into the system so that communities can be compliant. Uh, and have quality operations, not just um, uh, for their communities, but for the environment as well.
6: Back on the rink, Pete Carlson hopes lawmakers will get the Mighty Ducks program back on the ice.
1: It'll help uh, our state of hockey stay
6: the state of hockey, stay the state of ice sports. Eric Shalhoub, 5 Eyewitness News.
0: And rinks can still use Freon after that January date, but the price, of course, is probably going to go up because supplies will run short. The operations manager of the super rink says the location's really banking on being able to hold off on the transition for a few years. Time now for political analysis. Joining us this week, Jennifer Loon, a former Republican state representative, and Amber Reichgott-Young, a former DFL state senator. Thank you both for being here with us for the program. We are in that interesting time right now where the session has wrapped up, and everyone, Everyone's trying to come to terms with what the reality is moving forward. New laws will start taking effect. And as we just saw in that report, some work just didn't get done. So let's start with that and and what lawmakers face as they go home to their constituents at this point. Uh, Jennifer, let's start with you. This is an interesting time.
5: It is. And it will be both uh, incumbent on those legislators to explain to their constituents what laws did change so they're not caught off guard. We've got some new. CHANGES, ESPECIALLY WITH DRIVING LAWS. Uh, DRIVING IN THE LEFT HAND LANE, IF YOU'RE GOING SLOWER THAN TRAFFIC, YOU CAN NOW GET TICKETED FOR THAT. Uh, THE HANDS-FREE CELL PHONE uh, USE HAS BEEN BANNED, AND THAT WILL START IN AUGUST, SO uh, THEY'LL NEED TO DO THAT, AS WELL AS THE DISAPPOINTMENT FROM CONSTITUENTS mm-hmm. OVER SOME MAJOR THINGS THAT DID NOT GET ADDRESSED IN THE SESSION. Uh, THERE'S BEEN A LOT OF TALK ABOUT A SPECIAL SESSION TO ADDRESS THE COST OF INSULIN, uh, FOR PEOPLE WHO ARE DIABETIC AND NEED THAT TO LIVE. Um, AND SO I THINK they'll, THEY'LL HAVE TO DO A LITTLE EXPLAINING ABOUT WHAT THEY DID GET DONE.
0: EMBER, MAYBE YOU CAN ADDRESS the, the, THE BREAKDOWN, THE DISCONNECT. SOMETIMES WHAT SEEMS LIKE AN EASY BUTTON SOLUTION THAT SHOULD BE PASSED AT THE STATE CAPITAL JUST DOESN'T GET DONE FOR SOME REASON. What's, WHAT HAPPENS HERE?
4: Well, there's two things. One, at the end of the session, everything comes together at the last minute, and sometimes things are overlooked. These bills are sometimes 400 pages long, and legislators are still figuring out what is in them and what is not. The other thing is, though, sometimes legislators take things for granted, particularly if something's been funded like mighty ducks over the years in a baseline in the budget. They think the base is protected, but here was something more that they needed. But they just kind of take for granted that what has been will be mm-hmm. and will continue. On. So, it really is education. It's about hearing from constituents, and they will hear from constituents oh, yeah. right now. There's
0: no doubt about that. Do you want to talk about the transfer of power Governor Walls gave to Peggy Flanagan as he underwent that uh, surgery on his left knee recently? Uh, let's talk about that because Mark Dayton chose not to do that when he was receiving uh, treatment for quite some time at Mayo Clinic. Uh, what do you think is going on here? Why? It's, it is very rare in the state, Jennifer.
5: It is. It is. I think what I see is that Governor Walls is being very uh, particular in terms of following the law and the procedures by turning over uh, the power temporarily. I don't think uh, the state was in any great risk of him not coming through the surgery, but um, that is the procedure that is set up to be followed. Uh, for some reason Governor Dayton didn't follow it when he was hospitalized in Mayo and it sounds like he was under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Governor Walls is just being very particular about making sure he's following those processes.
0: And it seems like the Lieutenant Governor too is is playing more and more of a vis- visible role here right alongside the governor at so many public appearances, Ember.
4: And that's true and that may have been part of it, a sign of respect for the Lieutenant Governor that he was in fact feeling like she could take over if something did happen. Um, but I, I also think that, you know, there's, uh, over time, uh, the role is evolving, and she is evolving, and their teamwork is evolving. But she clearly is one of the most influential uh, lieutenant governors that we have had. Now, Mark Dayton did not turn it over, I'm sure, in the last year because it was a Republican lieutenant governor. So we have to put that into the equation.
0: Really quickly, before we go, we got about 30 seconds left. I want to talk presidential race, and the Democratic candidates are going to participate in that very first debate here coming up. Uh, what are you going to be listening for from Amy Klobuchar?
5: Well, it's a very crowded Democratic field. I think it's 22 and counting on the number of candidates. So she will really have to do something to distinguish herself. I think how Senator Klobuchar has done well in Minnesota is by. Uh, not being too controversial, uh, being appealing to a lot of people from various political stripes. She can't do that and really distinguish herself in this crowd. So I'll be curious to see what issues she keys keys
4: in on to do accomplish that.
0: Before we go, Amber, what you'll be listening for from Amy Klobuchar.
4: Over two nights, a few candidates will break through and a few will break down. I think Amy Klobuchar has the potential to break through, particularly with her compelling personal story that she shares, as well as her compelling message Message, simple message, which is reverse the executive orders of President Trump. I think those could break through for her.
0: All right, Ember Rashka Young, Jennifer Loon, thank you both for joining us here for uh, this segment. Up next here, Catherine Tanucci and Brian McClung will be here for Face Off. It's always a good time. We'll be back in about two minutes. Tensions escalated quickly this week between the United States and Iran, especially after reports Iran shot down a U.S. Navy drone. President Trump initially tweeted Iran, quote, made a very big mistake, but then seemed to walk that back a bit while speaking to reporters in the Oval Office. It is our quote of the week.
2: I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it.
0: All right, time now for Face Off. And this week, we're joined by Catherine Tanucci, former press secretary for Governor Mark Dayton, and Brian McClung, former communications director for Governor Tim Pawlenty. Thank you both for being here with us. Let's start with Iran. I mean, these rising tensions are getting a lot of focus. What do you think is really going on in the Oval Office right now as the president tackles this issue? Catherine, we'll start with you.
3: The news reports that we've read um, over the last several days would indicate that there's some measure of chaos in the White House. There seems to be really conflicting reports even from the president himself saying different things um, indicating there's there's some confusion there's a lot of confusion around what his strategy is what is happening who is advising him who knows what Um, that the the fact that we're learning about it from the president's twitter uh, makes me increasingly uncomfortable as well uh, not being sure what's going to happen next, and I don't, I don't think the president fully understands either that his words have tremendous impact, and that um, even if he decides not to take certain actions, his words can can escalate uh, those tensions.
0: Brian, the president did receive some criticism for indicating he, he learned just 10 minutes before making the decision not to send the U.S. military uh, that there would be 150 casualties, and, and some people viewed that, saying, "How can the president be getting that information that late?" Is there some chaos in the Oval Office?
2: Well, it sounds very dramatic. Uh, to say that you heard 10 minutes before so i'm not you know it's hard to know exactly if that's the case there were some reports that they were aware you know a couple of hours before and that mm-hmm. the decision was made then and i think president trump has described it both ways so it's hard to say but it, there's no question that iran has been a bad actor in the region they've supported hezbollah other terrorist groups they've been involved in syria and in iraq and so iran you know post 2015 nuclear deal with the obama administration has not behaved well so it's understandable that the United States is trying to hold Iran to account, they need to. Uh, but you know, we have to be careful about how tensions escalate because things can accelerate rapidly and potentially out of control.
0: There seems to be growing support among Democrats in Congress to open impeachment proceedings against President Trump right now. Uh, how much of that do you think is going to play into the 2016 election? How much of this is going to be a factor?
3: I think I think it'll be a major factor. There's no question, and I think that you could find. Hundreds of Democrats who would like to see the president impeached and would not, but are not willing to express that publicly yet. And I know that there are a lot of Democrats in leadership and in in rank members that um, want to defeat him more than they want to impeach him. And so it will be a conversation. There is a very uh, real political calculation behind uh, starting impeachment proceedings. And I know that there, you know, I I trust Speaker Pelosi, uh, her judgment is good. She is a very calculating, and I mean that in a good way politician she is good at politics and so I think that she's being very careful about how to move forward with this and I know that she wants to see him defeated in the next election more than she'd like to see him impeached at this point.
2: Yeah and I have a theory that I, President Trump in some ways is trying to goad Democrats <laughs> into beginning impeachment proceedings because he believes that if they start to go down the path of impeaching him That will fire up his base and even independent voters who think that it's improper to be trying to impeach the president over some of these issues. So I think if you look back, you know, when when Republicans had impeachment proceedings against Bill Clinton, it actually helped Bill Clinton. There was some sympathy for him. There are people who thought that wasn't the right way to go. So I think that President Trump would be just fine if Democrats want to try to impeach him, if they want to go down that path, that will fire up his supporters in a way that almost nothing else will. And I think he'd be just fine with that.
0: Another big decision for voters coming up in 2020. Still ahead here on the program, we hope you are hungry for state fair food. We're going to show you some of the new foods you're going to be able to try this year. Well, let's talk about it. The Minnesota State Fairs released the new foods being offered this year, and we have a look at some of the goodies you're going to be able to try. These are feta bites from Dino's Euros. It's deep-fried Greek pasta stuffed with feta cheese, cream cheese, and seasoning, served on an olive tapenade. Wow. And uh, a new vendor is also serving stuffed cabbage rolls this time around. Pierogies in three varieties and Polish sausages, too. I pierogi, it's called. It's located in the food building. And then for dessert, we have a wing water donut flight. You can get deep-fried donut holes and then three syringes filled with chocolate, custard, Bavarian cream, and lingonberry jam, too. It's all happening at the hangar. Before we go, we do want to remind you, we really want to see what you have to say about our program, At Issue. Send us your feedback. Let us know what issues you would like us to see discuss here on the show. You can write to us. At, AT ISSUE AT KSTP.COM. AND YOU CAN ALSO FIND US ON FACEBOOK BY SEARCHING FOR TOM Hauser OR AT ISSUE. AND YOU CAN ALSO FOLLOW TOM ON TWITTER AT thauserkstp. KSTP. AND YOU CAN ALSO LISTEN TO EPISODES OF AT ISSUE EVERY WEEK ON ITUNES AND PODCAST ONE. WE HAVE LINKS POSTED ON THE AT ISSUE PAGE AT KSTP.COM. THAT IS ALL OF OUR TIME FOR NOW. WE HOPE TO SEE YOU HERE AGAIN NEXT WEEK FOR ANOTHER EDITION OF AT ISSUE.